Well, welcome to episode number 12 of the Dads on Tap podcast. It is hard to believe that we are wrapping up our first year of the podcast, but here we are, and it's been a great year. My name is Scott Maudsley, and I'm your host for our podcast and the founder of Dads on Tap, a nonprofit I started to help craft better dads. If you want to know more about our mission or the work that we do, feel free to check us out at dadsontap.com. So I've been looking forward to today because we're going to have a great conversation for us girl dads about raising strong women with my good friend, Katie Cole. Katie has been a high-level leader, primarily in higher education, the mental health field, and in the local church. She's an advocate for female leaders across the country, as an author, a speaker, and as a consultant helping organizations unlock the potential of female leaders. I cannot wait for her to help us as dads understand more about how we can unlock the amazing gifts in our daughters. She is well-respected across the country, and we're going to include her bio in the show notes because we could spend a lot of time on that. But most importantly today, she has been my good friend for almost 25 years. Katie, can you believe that I'm that old? (laughs) That is really hard to imagine, Scott. (laughs) It's an honor to have you here today as our guest on the Dads on Tap podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to our conversation and excited to be chatting with you again. This was like how we got our start, sitting around philosophizing about all sorts of things that we should change in the world. So it feels like full circle. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're still trying to figure that one out, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, it's true. The conversation never ends. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, Katie, you've had such great ministry experience and community leadership experience in several different ways. It really, it's at the highest levels. And and we're going to tap into, pun intended, that knowledge today. But more than your experience and all the great things you've done, one of the things I appreciate most about you as my friend is that you truly have a heart for women and your commitment to being an advocate for female leaders and I would say is amazing, but even more so because that also includes our daughters, because our daughters are the leaders of our world in the future. So our topic today is on the podcast is raising strong women. And I can't wait for the, our listeners to hear some of your story and why you care so much about this issue, and then teach us a little bit about how we can invest in our daughters wisely. But before we go there, I always love to begin our podcast by asking our guests about their dads because so much of who we are is shaped by our dads, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. So tell us a little bit about your dad and your relationship with him. Yeah, thank you. So, well, my dad was a military commander. He flew F-14s and A-6s in the Navy for his career and really amazing, strong leader. I wish I had known I was so much like him when I was growing up because I probably would have stepped into leadership a lot earlier with a lot more confidence. But my dad had a lot of shadow sides too. He ended up leaving our family when I was just six years old and struggled with alcoholism and PTSD from his time in the military. And so we had an on-again, off-again relationship, but I had an amazing set of dads that my local church provided me, including an incredible stepdad that my mom dated during my middle school and high school years. And then after all of us kids went to college, they got married and were married for almost 30 years. And he was a huge role in my life, a grandparent to all of our kids. And then really the church and God, really in just the community of God, I just felt like I had surrogate dads my whole life. And so I think that I feel like all of them get credit for fathering me along the way, spiritually, professionally, practically, and I'm grateful for every one of them. That's great. Well, so when you think back on all the dads in your life, what's one or two lessons that you learned from one of them or all of them or some combination that you say, this is just one thing that kind of really stands out about what this father figure taught me? Gosh, I remember there was one, I mean, my stepdad had a huge role and taught me to drive and was in my daily life and those kind of things. But I think those more spiritual or surrogate dads, there was one guy that I babysat for his family for multiple years during high school. And I remember him just always listening to what was going on in my life, like caring about me as a person, seeing me as a real person. He would tell me, I learned so much when I talked to you. And just that sense that I had something to offer a grown up, let alone a guy who's a business owner and a dad, and just made me feel like I had something to offer people. I'll never forget the way that made me feel and how I just really didn't have that very much. But I would imagine that's what dads do for their daughters a lot. In fact, that's usually one of my suggestions is make sure you listen to your daughters and value what they have to say. And then I think of one, our mutual friend, Doug Ranlett, who we both worked for. 
professionally, he was someone who really helped me see what I was offering in a room or in a leadership role. It was hard for me to see what my actual contribution was. And he articulated that for me. And that was a great gift, especially in my 20s, like late 20s, to have someone, you know, several levels above me reflect back to me the things that made me the most valuable as an employee and as a leader. Mm, That's awesome. uh, Let's go back to the first thought, because one of the things that hit me a few years ago as a dad, and both to my son and my daughter, is that I found that oftentimes I spend a lot of time talking at my kids and not nearly enough time with my kids. And so I'd be curious when you reflect back on your dad asking you questions, right? You see your stepdad. How old were you in that season when you remember him like talking about how much he's learning from you? Yeah. So this was the guy that I babysat for. You know, he was one of our youth group leaders. So he had some authority in my life. So he was like that kind of... I'm getting older, so I forget things, Katie. So. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so like, I think one of the things that was the most impactful for that was the fact that he had the time to listen to me. It was like worth it to him to take time. And there were times where he was, obviously he was a leader in my life. So he was talking at me, but it was it was almost the balance to that conversation. And I think sometimes especially for dads, and I would say even for women who have high levels of leadership in their jobs, it's very easy and very tempting to come home from work and stay in boss mode. And we really kind of take the role as boss of our kids and our families. And we're shouting orders, we're making things happen, we're managing the process, we're moving towards execution. That's not really what family is designed to do. I sort of balk against the idea that family should have be on mission and you have like jobs and roles and there's something you're going to accomplish in the kingdom. I think of family as the dugout to your calling. So when you're on the field, you have a role to play, you have a job to do, the score matters. But when you come to the dugout, you get encouragement, you get the trainer, you know, works on your knee, you get a cup of water, you get a snack, you know, you get a hug from your mom, you get, you fill up with whatever you need. And it's probably different than when the person next to you needs, you fill up so that you can go out and play the game again. And so I think when dads do the opposite, because your kid has a day like that too. Your kid has a day where they're sitting, particularly in our current school system, and I won't get on my soapbox about that, but they're just being talked at most of the time or they're, you know, school is so overly structured. There's a lot of control and authority dynamics in school, which is fine. And there's a lot of great benefits to that. But when you come home, it would be nice to have the opposite. It would be nice to plan the dinner Or I remember Condoleezza Rice talking about her dad would put her in charge of the vacation for the summer. Every summer, she was the president of the vacation, like beginning at four years old. And I'm like, gosh, what would that be like at four years old? Now, obviously, she wasn't as detailed in her four-year-old plan as she probably was at 16. I'm sure there was a, I mean, knowing her, I'm sure they did a great job developing a leader with her. But I'm like, wow, to think of yourself as a four-year-old in complete control of where your parents are taking you on vacation. There is a lot of confidence, a lot of perspective. You get to cast vision. You get to have authority and autonomy. Other people follow you and give you feedback on your choice. You suffer the consequences of the restaurant you chose for dinner. Like so many great lessons, but that's an opposite experience than what most kids feel. And so as parents, part of our job in what I call servant parenthood is we have to fill in the gaps for a well-rounded kid that our society can't provide. That's our job. Our job isn't to do the thing we want to do for them. Our job is to fill in what their life isn't getting at the moment. And that changes every year, every month sometimes. Yeah, that's so good. There's so many questions I can ask there, but we'll get into some questions about that later. We're going to be talking about raising girls today, but I want you to tell us, brag on your family. You're raising a young man, so tell us about your family. Oh, so I have a 20-year-old son named Ethan, who is a fantastic kid. I'm so proud of him. He has navigated a lot. He was a COVID kid during high school, as in his second year of college, just has decided to transfer from the University of Central Florida in Orlando, and he's going to go pursue a mechanics degree, which he is a total car aficionado. And has been, oh, my garage has been full of car parts for four years. My tree is now filled with car ornaments. Have you saved some money on your mechanical needs? Oh, 100%. He better do that. (laughs) Buddy, I was looking for, we were looking for a new car and I was like, what What am I doing? I'm waiting a year and figuring out where you're going to work. And that is the car I will buy. Why am I doing this differently? So 
he's just incredibly gifted. And I appreciate that he's confident in who he is and how God has gifted him. He's listening to God's voice and pursuing that with full passion. And so, I mean, what more do you want from a kid, right? Who's going out of the dugout and into the field? You go play your position, man. Go do your thing. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, I can't think of someone I'd rather interview on the topic we're going to discuss today, Katie. You have seen a lot when it comes to being a female leader at really the highest levels of your profession. Would you take a moment and just tell our audience why this topic is so important for you? Well, to be really honest, I think people sometimes look at me and they're like, this makes sense that Katie is championing women leaders. Like she's been a female leader. She's done this for a long time. But honestly, my sort of acceleration into leadership roles was not the normal trajectory for most women. And God sort of got a hold of my attention on this topic a few years ago when I was doing, I'd started my own leadership development company. I was working with a bunch of businesses, a bunch of churches, and they all happened to be very male dominated environments. It was a lot of IT, fast scaling tech companies and multi-site churches. And both of them were kind of struggling in management and leadership development. They were trying to grow people from within their organizations. And we were getting stuck on expanding their business or expanding their church because there just simply weren't enough leaders. We had enough money, didn't have enough qualified people that were trustworthy. And as I, I have a master's degree in HR, and so as I popped the hood on those things, we started finding it was really because women were not moving up in the ranks. They weren't breaking out of that early coordinator, man, you know, first level manager role into these higher levels that would really allow them to scale and expand at the rate they wanted to. And so as I started doing research, I was like, wow, this is a way bigger issue than my personal experience afforded me. And so I started researching it. I came up with a bunch of plans that really accelerated the companies and the organizations I was working with. And in the process, I was like, I wonder if people would be interested interested in like what we're learning in this process. So I ended up writing a book about it, which kind of took off on me. And so now I spent a lot of time talking about it. And as I did my research, really was shocked at how many of these issues I actually had faced, but had been really ignorant about it. And to be really honest, how many of these ignorant and unfortunate practices I had inherited and been mentored in and did. And so it was a it was an odd experience of conviction and like conviction against the things I was doing wrong and conviction that we really can do so much better than this. And so I'm very passionate about it because I really want to see people fulfill their mission personally. I think us as leaders, we have organizations and companies and communities that we are leading. God has given us a mission for them. I want to see us complete that. It almost always, always, always involves leaders. And that almost always involves women who are being overlooked or underutilized or are taking themselves out of the game. None of that to me is acceptable because that's part of the resources God gave us to fulfill the mission. We got to use everything he's given us. It's not an easy job to lead. We need everybody on the team we can get. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I mean, the world we live in is just our female leaders bring so much to the table and in many ways, just almost intuitively understand how to lead better than men these days, right? I mean, it's just I mean, data is backing this up. (laughs) Well, the culture is shifting significantly. And I would say that a lot of men have been able to draft off of what our culture was looking for naturally in leadership. So, you know, we're coming out of a of 150 years, particularly of a lot of wars, a lot of battlefield mentality, a lot of like industrialization. And most stereotypical male leadership is really geared towards those kind of situations. Our culture has shifted significantly. The pandemic fast forwarded that much more collaboration, much more innovative thinking, much more relationship based sort of higher level style of leadership that requires much more nuance, much more social skills, more cultural index intelligence. Those are the things that women more naturally bring to any environment, but particularly to leadership. And so we're really missing out if we're not harnessing the natural giftings that women bring just like women were missing out if we tried to lead an organization and weren't watching men. Like we need each other. For me, the goal is not for females to run the world. I actually am not interested in that t-shirt. I want us to lead together. I think we all need to be in the game and we all should be doing this together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. So I want to get to a couple of big, more practical kind of broad questions. And, you know, being a daughter, dad, There's nothing like the bond between a dad and his daughter. You know, it's just a really cool thing. And I know, you know, our average listener out there, Katie, about 70% of our listenership are dads between the age of 26 and 43. 
So mostly dads that have their kids at home still, a lot of young dads that are trying to figure things out. And I wanted to ask you, you get to sit in a very unique place. You get to see a lot of things. I want to really two questions, two sides of one of a coin. What most concerns you today about the world that our young ladies and our daughters are facing and living in? Well, I think there is a lot of hope and positive things, I just want to say, for women. But I do think one of the biggest dangers is the sexualization of our society and the reality that women still face internally a lot of pressure to look and behave a certain way on the outside. It's one of the best gifts a dad can give their daughter, honestly, is to address that for her from an early age or from whatever age you're at now. Even if you've got a 30-year-old daughter, like these are there is it is never too late to be a safe, male, loving committed relationship in your daughter's life. And so that's really the thing that destroys women the most and creates the most trauma, has the most wrinkles in their story, has the most ongoing triggers that are hard to get over is those kind of pressures around sexuality and the objectification of their bodies for something other than what they're made to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to this more practical things, but I'd love for you to address some of the things as dads that we should pay attention to in that particular area, you know, I mean, the things we watch or the music we listen to, or it's one of the things that really strikes me in this particular area. And I know this is so true at being a dad in all areas, but especially in this, we cannot say, do as I say, not as I do, right? There is no talking really in this area. It's almost all modeling. And this is the stuff that's caught and not taught. But I think the piece to remember is that you are the first and the most important relationship in your daughter's life that is a male loving, sexualized relationship. It's the only one really that has very little threat of that. And that's why when those boundaries are crossed by a father, it's so devastating to a woman and will stay with her forever. And so because of that, it's important that you actually almost protect that and celebrate that and be careful about how that happens because your joking, your one-off comments, your sarcasm, especially to younger girls, the way you talk about women, the way you joke with your wife, like there is a message you are consistently saying about how women should see themselves and how you see women. And there really isn't a person a daughter wants to please more than her dad. And so when she can have affirmation from you, love from you, joy from you, encouragement, pride, correction, when she can have all of those loving relationship things from you and it has nothing to do with her body or her physical appearance or her sexuality, you are teaching her who she really is and what her real value in the world is. If you are only just not doing wrong things, but you're not doing the positive things, you still aren't actually giving any input. So it's got to be both sides of that. But small things go a long way in this. And this isn't a perfection thing. You don't have to be on the clock all the time, but being very intentional, having conversations with her about the things that really matter. Some of the things we see in later research about women that I'll just kind of boil down to this. But one of the things we find in research about female leaders is that when someone introduces a woman, they introduce them in like a professional setting very different than men. We tend to introduce men according to their accomplishments, according to their integrity, their character, why we respect them. We tend to introduce women based on their relationships, their beauty, or their personality. Like she, you know, so this is Katie who's got a graduate degree, who owns her own business, who speaks all over the world about leadership, or this is Katie, who's a mom, and I've known her for a bunch of, you know, a long time, and she's really fun. You're going to love hearing from her. She's got a big smile, blah, blah, blah. Like they give two totally different things. So for you as a dad, what are the things you're celebrating about your daughter? Is it who she is on the inside? Is it her character? Is it her strength? Is it her courage? Is it her accomplishments? Is it her intelligence? Or is it only because she's a beautiful princess? Now, you should call her a beautiful princess. You should twirl her around when you come in the door, but it needs to be the full person. Yeah, but our daughters don't all need to have a prince rescue them either. Exactly. That's exactly right. If Okay, so I have to tell you my favorite Instagram post I've ever seen is this, I think a mom posted it about her husband, but it was a picture of her husband sitting next to his daughter. She's like five or six years old. She's got her princess dress on. She's got her little, I don't know, some sort of wand and a crown and all around her, all of her stuffed animals. 
And in the post, she is the queen and he is the queen's advisor and they're playing princess. And so, or she's the princess, I think she's the queen or the princess, but she's in the position of authority. He is advising her and he comes to her and he says, queen, the horses are having a skirmish in the far land. How would you like me to handle it? And then she asks some questions. Well, what are they doing? Oh, and then he creates this elaborate story of a leadership challenges and there's not enough hay to go around and they're fighting over the whatever. And so then she tells him what to do and he goes over there and he solves it and he comes back and reports to her. Well, that didn't work or this was a beautiful idea. They solved it. They think you're wonderful. So it's taking that play and taking it to a whole nother level of like, you're not a princess and I'm not going to come in and rescue you. We're not looking for Prince Charming. You're actually the queen boss. You're in charge of all of the land and you know how to solve problems. And you have people like me who will advise you and help you as you lead and do the things that God's called you to do. I love it so much. (laughs) I love it. Well, and that leads into the next question, because I wanted to also talk about the things that you see are really encouraging you today about what's happening in the world that are daughters and young ladies are living in. You know, I mean, there's been the Me Too movement. There's been these issues that have been behind the scenes forever, and now they're coming out, right? And I know that can be challenging and fraught, but I mean, we're having to really deal with things that are super important and not hide them anymore. I'd just be curious, like, what are you seeing that you're like, man, I'm so glad this is happening for our young ladies in the world that we're kind of living into? I think the last 10 or 15 years has been a game changer for women. All the statistics show it. We still have some work to do on the internal dialogues that women are having with themselves, but we have more women graduating from college than ever before. We have more women starting businesses. We have more women moving up into leadership. It's still the percentages are still not where we want them to be, but I I think actually the marketplace has done a fantastic job. If you look at the trend and the trajectory over the last 10 years, we have seen some significant changes. We need to keep that moving. But it's compared to the last 500 years, we're doing awesome in the last 10 to 15 years. So we can keep that up. And I think the dads who are like you, Scott, and who are listening to a podcast like this, they're the ones who are making the difference because it really is men who hold the keys to open doors for women. And most of the changes I see in male leaders who gain an understanding of this in the workplace are because they have daughters who come of age. And they begin to see their through their daughter's eyes some of the limiting factors that they have been unaware of or some of the challenges that their girls face or the things that they get sidetracked in or the discrimination that happens or what happens during puberty when women are sort of overcast with this shot of estrogen that shifts their priorities and makes them long for things that maybe aren't the best for them. And how do we steward that well? It changes the way they enter the workforce. It changes the way they hire. It changes how they're advocating for women in their jobs. And that is a game changer for our entire culture. The other thing is that one of the number one indicators of a woman who thrives and grows in leadership in their career. So, I mean, my expertise is leadership. So I'm talking a lot about leadership here, but I believe a lot of other things. Absolutely. Hey, listen, I love it. I want my daughter to be a leader. (laughs) (laughs) I love a lot of other things about becoming a wife and a mom. I could talk all about that also. but. This is the one that's not talked about as much in most circles. And so the number one indicator of a woman breaking through leadership barriers is that they have a dad who is a leader in their workforce. So they've been a CEO, they've started their own company, they're a director of a department, they run budget, they hire and fire. And so the more dads are moving up in leadership, the more they are opening up roles of leadership for their daughters simply by who they are and what they're accomplishing at work, the natural conversations you're bringing home around the dinner table. So I would encourage all the girl dads out there, talk about work with your kids. Now, don't complain about work with your kids, right? Work is important. We want to kind of like tell the good sides of it, but talk about the challenge. Talk about the difficult employee and how you had to fire them and talk about the goal that you set and then give updates throughout the year and talk about what it feels like to accomplish something and talk about the win that you had and talk about what your boss said about you. Like talk about your job and talk about your work and let her imagine herself doing what you're doing because she imagines herself like you. We aren't stuck in a mindset, especially this next generation where moms are only or daughters are only looking to moms and boys are only looking to dads. She sees herself in you. And so when you talk about your gifts, when you talk about how you handled something, you're giving her training that she could never acquire later in life. So don't waste a hard day at work. Bring it home and do something with it. You know, I love that. This idea of paying attention 
as a man to certain cues or certain patterns. As you were talking, I was thinking about, just came out of a season where I was leading a younger group of female leaders. And I remember I was probably a year in and I walked into the room and there was four of them sitting in the room having lunch. And I sat down and immediately one of them said, oh, I'm sorry, Scott, you got to sit with the girls and have lunch. And I, I knew enough to go, where did that come from? And so I actually just said to him, I said, hey, I just want you guys to know, like when I walk in here, I don't see you as the girls. Like I see you as our leaders and I'm just simply joining our leadership team for lunch. Right. And so it was for me an awareness of there's some story that what, for whatever reason that they were telling themselves about who they were in that room and almost apologizing for, and that I had an opportunity there to build into them. I'm not saying that as like, oh, I did this great thing. I'm sure I've missed a hundred of those type moments, right? But out of your experience as dads, what are some cues or some some things we need to pay attention to and kind of arrest in the moment or speak to or speak against? Is there anything that's just practical that you can think of for us to pay attention to? Sure. I love what you said to them. That was such a great way to reframe that. I think one of the most important pieces of research, I think, for any guy to understand when it comes to helping women develop into who they're called to be is my favorite piece of research is around what's called the sticky floor. So you've probably heard of like the glass ceiling, but the sticky floor is sort of what's on the opposite end, which is what keeps women's feet stuck to the floor and prevents them from seeing themselves as a leader or as someone who should go for an opportunity or as someone who has the ability to sit and talk with a guy, right? A guy leader. Like for some reason there was a different, it felt like there were two different levels, right? And you were coming down to their level and they were so sorry that you had to like sit with them and you couldn't be with the real people, right? Like it's the kid's table or something. (laughs) And so the research goes like this. When men and women apply for a job or a promotion or something new, a new opportunity, whether it's a, a promotion at work or it's a volunteer job at the church or whatever, men and women have two totally different experiences when they apply for that. When men look at a job description, they need to feel good of about 60% of what's on the job description before they'll apply for the job. And if they apply, they kind of, you know, assume they're going to get it, right? And if they get the job and they only know 60%, they're going to like, you know, Google it, they'll call their dad, they'll fake it till they make it, right? They're going to like crush this job one way or another, they're going to figure it out. That's exactly right. When a woman looks at a job description, she has a completely different experience. She has to feel confident of 100% of what's on that job description from the first day or she will not even apply for the job. Think about that. She will not even fill out the application. She won't put her name in the hat. And she's got to be nailing everything on the job from the first day, or she thinks of herself as not qualified. We call that the sticky floor. It's those conversations and dialogues that women have with themselves in their own head that no one is aware of that makes them step away from opportunities or pull back from something or feel like you're sitting at the kid's table and you don't really deserve to do something. Now, you might have a daughter like this. You might have a wife like this. You might have an employee like this that you're like, that actually sounds like what I've heard them say because they're, and we sometimes label it as insecure or a low self-esteem, or they just need to believe in their self more. But what it really is, is they need to think about what it actually means to apply for a new job. If you've never done a job before, this is what I tell women all the time when I coach them, I'm like, you've never done this job before. How many people do you think get a promotion, a job they've never done before and nail it on the first day? Like no one does that. It's a new job. By definition, you don't know what you're doing. None of us know what we're doing. And so it's less about what I think we traditionally do for women, which is like, let's help you believe in yourself. Let's help you gain more confidence. Let let me encourage you. And instead saying, hey, let me tell you something. No one is good at the very first day. No one meets everything on a job description. If you do, you should be applying for a different job. Don't apply for the job you're already good at. Apply for the job you grow into, right? We have to like reset people's perspectives to a more realistic viewpoint. Men look at things from a realistic viewpoint. Women look at things from a very perfectionistic viewpoint. And so when you're talking about your daughters and you're wondering how to shape these conversations, a huge piece of what you can tell them is to just right-size her thinking, particularly for girls who are high achievers, particularly if you have a firstborn girl these little super wonders, man, and they will talk a big game. 
and they will give you all the things and they show up and they look confident, but inside they are falling short on everything they think they're supposed to be. Whether it's getting ready for church on Sunday, whether it's cooking dinner for something, whether it's getting ready for her first date, whether it's showing you her report card, she is overachieving in her mind the expectations and she is under delivering no matter what you say to her. Unless you say, did you know that 80% of the people never graduate from college? Did you know that most people only get Bs? Did you know that most, almost no one is president of anything their entire high school career and you're doing two things, right? You have to right size the expectations so she realizes what a big deal she is. Yeah. Boy, that's so helpful, Katie, because it's we can't assume that she's just seeing that or understanding that. And that framework as a dad is that we don't we don't even process that way. We're like, I can't believe you're doing as much as you're doing, right? Like and doing it so well. And she may be thinking, I'm just failing. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm kind of average. I mean, she's probably thinking she's average with the fear of failing. Right. And so and you're like, if you did half of what you're doing, you're still doing awesome. Right. <laughs> so I do for my faith-based dads out there, I do just want to say that the biblical example for this to kind of hold on to is what Mordecai does for Esther, right? Esther is this amazing leader. She has overcome so much in her life, abuse, abandonment, being orphaned. She's being sexually groomed for the king and chosen. That's not really a successful job promotion, right? So, and she's in this role of queen and the Bible says everyone loves and respects her. So she's good at what she's done. She's earned the, or what she does, she's earned the respect of everyone. The king honestly loves and adores her. And when this time comes to save the nation and go to the king, she doesn't think she's up for the job because she's not sure he will let her in. She's not sure she can do it. She questions herself and Mordecai comes in and he's like, listen, Esther, you can't see it. You're not measuring it correct. Your sticky floor is speaking louder than reality. But let me tell you what I see. What I see is this woman who God has raised up for this very moment. This is why you're here. You're so much more than you give yourself credit for. And I am with you. I know you can do it. And even if you don't, we'll all be okay. God's going to save us one way or another. You don't have to do it, but I know you can. It's a completely different conversation than go girl, you got this. That's not quite enough. Yeah, that's so good. It's not just the rah-rah, you know, it's it's the getting more specific around what we're seeing. Yeah, you have to we have to articulate God's work in our young daughters' lives. They're not mature enough to see it for themselves, but dad, you can see it. You have enough experience. You know enough women who are off their rocker. You can identify all of those things in your daughter, no matter what she's excelling at and what she's struggling with, right? Sometimes I see a lot of dads really want to help their daughters know what they can improve, like they're on some sort of performance improvement plan. That's not the goal. That's not what we do in the dugout. What we do in the dugout is we give honest, God-honoring perspective. Here's what I see God doing in your life. Yeah, are you struggling with these things? Yeah, but I see him building your character. I see you learning what it takes to be resilient and overcome something. I'm watching these other girls in your class. They are in for a rude awakening when they get to high school or they get to college or they get their first job. You, my friend, however, my daughter, who I love, you are going to know how to navigate having people not like you. Do you know what a quality that is in a leader? You know how many leaders get stuck because they're trying to please everybody? God must have something big for you at 13 that he is teaching you how to be okay with people not liking you. That, man, I wish I would have learned that at 13. You're way ahead of me. Okay, that's so good. That's, there's so many things, so many more questions I could ask you, but I, I do want to take a couple of minutes on the conversation because a lot of dads are listening to this, are dads of faith. You know, I, I often say that dads on tap is for anybody, regardless of your faith, but certainly it's core to who I am and to who a lot of our dads are. You get to spend a lot of time in the church space. And I know this is a bit of a fraught conversation because as a pastor of 30 years, I know some of the challenges that churches face when it comes to women and their gifts and their leadership. But I would just, if you could boil down, I mean, all this great stuff that you know and that you're learning and that you're helping with into the thoughts for us as dads to watch for or think about in regards to our daughters in their faith and even the local churches that are influencing them. Sometimes it cannot be the best of influence in how they're being seen or how they're being treated. Sometimes it can be a great influence, right? So I don't want to pretend either way, but as dads who might care about our daughters and their faith and their growth, what are some things 
that you would encourage us to keep an eye on in that world? Is that a fair question? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a pretty hot topic in the church leadership space. It's a big theological debate. I write about this a lot in my book, Developing Female Leaders, which is really written for church leaders about how to navigate this topic. And so if you want more on kind of the theology about it, because I actually think dads equipping themselves with what is the actual theological disagreement on this. I don't take sides on that. I grew up in very conservative environments. I have led in both conservative and more progressive environments. I've enjoyed leadership in all of those spaces in a variety of different theological frameworks. I think what's most important is that you know where you land and you maximize what women have to offer the kingdom in that theological perspective, but also being able to explain what it is and what it isn't. I think the biggest challenge every church, regardless of where you fall on the theological spectrum, every church is struggling to empower women to the most of their theological viewpoint. Most of where we run into trouble is not the intentional decisions we've made or the theological stance or the sermon that got preached somewhere. It's the unintentional cultural messages that we are sending both women and men about women that really can be debunked by a great dad. So I coach a lot of church leaders on this topic. I coach a lot of high-capacity female leaders in churches and in marketplace, but they're from faith backgrounds usually. And most of what we're untangling are the messages that were never talked about. And so even if you're at a church that maybe has very few women on the platform or doesn't endorse women into leadership or doesn't give them certain titles or is just not modeled or women's ministry is kind of off to the side, no one really talks about it, no one really knows what goes on there, but you know, whatever, something's happening, lots of casseroles, like whatever's happening with all that, you as a dad particularly have the ability to frame for your daughter God's view of her and her what her view of herself can be as a kingdom leader. And again, regardless of where your theological standpoint is, Jesus gives that to every follower. And you have the ability to debunk a lot of those messages if you're intentional about it. And I don't even think you need to bash your church or disagree with them. You just get to speak truth into something. Your voice is so much louder than all those other voices. The second thing is, we tend to, especially if you find yourself in a more conservative church environment or a more conservative area of the country when it comes to gender. So if you're in the Bible Belt space, even if you aren't a churchgoer, there are a lot more gender role stereotypes in those cultures. And so part of what you can look at is the volume on this topic in your daughter's life. Is it something that's talked about or modeled a lot in certain ways in the culture, in your school, in your home, in your church, in your family, in your extended family, what your crazy uncle says at Christmas, what your dad says about things when he's yelling in the garage? Like All of those things are messages that she's getting. The television shows you're watching, the kind of books that she's reading, all of those things are shaping her view of herself and of women and men and your boys, by the way, also need this about what it means to be a great man. So looking at those things, and it's not that any one of those things are bad. It's what is the diet about that and how loud is that message? Particularly around churches, what I found is that the roles that we are maybe don't want to have women fill, or there are a lot of times in churches, they'll have their very, very top roles will not be open to women. We tend to be very, very loud and very consistent about talking about those few roles. It's like 1% of the roles of leaders in the church that women are not allowed to have. And we're very soft and very quiet and almost never talk about the 99% of the other roles that women can lead in. And so I just want churches to reverse that. I'm like, you don't need to change the rules, but can we please elevate the volume and elevate the exposure and elevate the celebration? of all the roles and all particularly the leadership roles you have open for women. And that's where dads, I think, can really step in, not only for your daughters, but for the other women in your church, making sure that we're celebrating what is actually happening. Like there are high level leaders, male leaders in your church who are not really leading the department or the ministry. It's the woman behind them, whoever she is, the volunteer, the mom and student ministries, the guy's wife. If we could just at least be honest about who's doing what, we'll go a long way in making more pathways for women. Yep. I love it, Katie. And that's one of the things that we don't have to get off on a tangent here, but I do think there was a generational perspective in a cultural perspective in our churches where there was kind of like Moses came down from the mountain and he had the Ten Commandments and we just all had to follow, right? And 
one of the things I love is we're seeing that change into much more of a team dynamic where women get to actually be a real part of the team helping shape the future, not just one or two people coming down and telling everybody else what to do, you know, so. Well, absolutely. I mean, we kind of hit on it earlier in the conversation. That Moses mentality is a very hierarchical, priestly perspective of leadership in any format. It's very Old Testament. We live in the New Testament where we have a team of disciples who go out two by two and do ministry in an empowerment collaborative way. That is a different style of leadership. It's what our culture is demanding of us now. I'm excited for the environments that are taking steps towards that. I think we have a big, bright future in the church when we do that. I love it. Well, before we get to in here to, towards closing, do a little lightning round, I actually want to I want to ask you one more question related to what we just talked about. One of the things that I have realized recently in regards to just being, for me, a spiritual leader in our home is that I really kind of, without thinking about it over the years, in many ways, I have abdicated some of the spiritual development of my kids to our local church and to their youth group. And I think a lot of dads do that. And this conversation that we're having around staying engaged and being intentional. You know, I've been in so many conversations over the years with dads whose daughters hit a teenage season and they get so confused and the daughter's like, I don't want you around me or in my room, right? And so they've said, so I just backed off. And I've watched or listened as to how that backing off has fractured the relationship. Could you just talk to us about how we as dads need to stay engaged, even when it gets difficult or even when it's really hard and we're unsure? Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, God is our model parent, right? He never disengages us. He never backs off. He stays, but he changes the way he stays with us based on our behavior. And I think that's one of the things that's challenging as a parent for both moms and dads, but particularly for dads, is that when we face resistance, it's easy to pull back and be like, okay, no problem. I'll just go back over here. Or we lean in and create conflict and fights and aggression and negative experiences. Conflict is normal. How we handle it needs to be healthy. And so one of my favorite books on this topic is called How to Really Love Your Child, How to Really Love Your Teenage Child, How to Really Love Your Adult Child. So he wrote ones for all the stages, but it's basically about how to handle conflict as a parent and how to handle your child's anger. And one of the challenges when our kids get angry, which when they hit their teenage years, first of all, they're facing boundaries and independence, and they're supposed to fight against us. Like they're supposed to walk up against the boundary and push them. That's their job. And it's our job to flex the boundary or hold fast to the boundary, depending on what the topic is and what their age is, but mostly what their behavior is. Easy parenting has structure and like guidelines. Easy leadership does, right? Like I'm the kind of leader who does this. I'm the kind of parent who does this. Great leaders and great parents are servants. They adjust to the situation. It takes so much more time and effort to read the room of the moment, especially when the moment changes every 15 minutes, to read the situation, to put it in context of what else is going on in their life into this moment, to go beyond you know, the question behind the question. It's so much work, but it's the right kind of work. So please, my encouragement is that it's, there's not a right or wrong way to do it in the sense that you're going to nail it every time or you have to have all the answers. There's the easy way and the hard way. Please don't take the easy route during the teenage years. Do the hard work of leaning in. Even if you're stumbling forward, you're stumbling towards them. And that's the most important thing. You know, when I think of the blessing that God gives, this is I used to say this prayer every morning over Ethan as we went to school, but may God bless you and keep you, make his face turn and shine towards you, right? A loving father turns his faith and leans in towards you. So as long as you're leaning in, you're doing what a loving father does. When you pull back or you go after, you're doing what an unhealthy dad does. So do the hard work of leaning in, ask the questions, stick with it, still do the things you've always done, go give them a hug even when they're stiff as a board. Like that's how you get a hug on the other side, right? (laughs) Is that you did it when it wasn't comfortable and awkward and you're rolling your eyes and they're rolling everything else. So stay in the game. And I will say that most of parenting, when parenting gets tough, it's probably triggering a challenging season in your own growing up life, either in your own development, but particularly with your own parents. And so that usually sends us to the therapist's office because it's basically just highlighted something we don't know how to do, or we didn't have it modeled well for us. So we're, we feel ill-equipped. So we pull back. 
Parenting is skill sets. You can learn it. It's not an anointing. It's not a gifting. There aren't some people made to be parents and other people who are just faking it. Every person can be a great parent, but we do have to do the work. Yeah, I love it. And Katie, you have background in the mental health side of things as well. And one of the things I often tell dads is that we've got to keep learning and growing and keep being aware, right? So I had this recently, I had this picture of the power of a bad dad moment. Like I had a really bad dad moment with, with my daughter last Friday and I just blew it, right? Like I dealt with a legitimate concern in an illegitimate way. And I ended up dropping her off at school and I spent the whole day like just, I mean, I just felt terrible, you know? And so I'm like, okay, what? So I spent some time and I actually wrote down, I said, what did I do? And I just literally had a bulleted list. I'm like, I didn't keep my cool. I made a false threat, right? I, you know, I'm just this whole list. And when she got home, she didn't want to talk to me. And I just said, okay, I know you want to talk to me. I said, but I blew it. And I actually made a list of the way I blew it. Can I just read that to you? She's like, you wrote it down. And so I walked her through it and I was just like, listen, I just want to apologize. Like, like, that's the way that I blew it. I shouldn't have handled it that way. It's still a legitimate conversation we have to have, but I want to handle it the right way. And to immediately watch that bad dad moment turn into a great dad moment was like this aha. Like, not just doing everything right, it's trying to figure out how to do the right thing even when I didn't do it right, <laughs> you know? Well, and what you're teaching her is what it means to be human and how do you repair a relationship, right? Because there's always the what and the how with every conflict. There's what the conflict is, and then there's how we go about dealing with it. And both matter. And so even separating that out and saying like the what that we were talking about is important still, but how I handled it also matters. Just nailing the what isn't enough. In fact, most of parenting is the how. How do we go about dealing with conflict? How do we go about solving problems? How do we go about resolving and making sure our relationship is still intact? Yeah, that's good. Well, and our 13-year-olds aren't really supposed to be that mature. Hopefully, us 51-year-olds are a little bit more. (laughs) We are supposed to set the standard and be the models, but... (laughs) Well, I do think one of the most powerful things a parent can do is to legitimately apologize to their children. And, you know, we all want to not have to do that because we don't like to mess up. But when we do, you know, we model so much of what it means to be a healthy person, what it means to have a healthy relationship, what it means to have a healthy walk with God. Like we model what that looks like. That is That can turn out to be so much more powerful. God will redeem those things when we honor him and the way we handle it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so we're getting to the end of our time. Quick lightning round. And I'm going to abbreviate this a little bit. Give us your quick thought on the impact of social media on our girls. Oh, terrible for body image and comparison, but really amazing when you follow the right people. Love it. Okay. Next question. We've talked a lot about this, but let's see if we can just come up with one statement. How can I as a dad, how can we as a dad best help our daughters with their competence? Explain to them exactly what they're great at. Bam. All right. One change you wish every girl dad would make to be a better girl dad? I think looking your daughter in the eye and listening fully when she's speaking about anything, whatever she's talking about. Love it. One book besides yours, because we're going to put your book in the show notes and I'm going to recommend all of our listeners get your book because I think it's awesome. But one book, or you maybe it is your book, fine. One book you would recommend every dad read to be a better daughter dad. Dr. Henry Cloud's book, The Power of the Other, I think it's the secret parent weapon book. It's not a parenting book, but it is a really powerful concept around how you become powerful in someone's life. Great. We'll put that in the show notes. And then this is for a very specific group of dads. We have some dads that are out there that are listening, and you have some personal experience as a daughter in this, but also you've seen a lot. We have some dads that are out there who are listening, who are separated, maybe are gone through a divorce, may have shared custody or don't get to see their daughters as often as they would like to. Do you have any words of encouragement or advice for that dad that's listening right now? Yeah, I had an amazing single parent in my mom. And the best gift she gave me is the one I think you could give your daughters, which is to never talk bad about their mom to them. Because 50% of them is her. And when you talk bad about their mom, you're saying there is half of you I don't love. And that is the opposite of what a girl needs to hear from their dad. She needs to hear that you love 100% of every single thing about her. Even if it's something that drives you crazy from your ex, you still love it. You see it as a beautiful part of who she is and you believe in her, all parts of her, not just the parts that come from you. Mm, Wow. 
Yeah. Boy, I never thought about the position you would put your daughter in if you were making negative comments. Wow. And of course, that actually works for people whose parents are still married, but (laughs) it's incredibly important in a divorce situation. Yes. (laughs) But for that dad that's not getting the same amount of time, making sure that the time you do get is a really healthy thing. That's right. You're playing a long game. And all truth comes out in the long run in parenting. And so when you're the one who takes the high road every time, when you're the one who loves all of them and can celebrate everything of who they are, that pays off in time. Mm, Love it. Is there anything else before we close the interview that just we haven't said or something that's just important for you as we close to say to dads that are out there, they'd be listening online, they might be sitting in a brewery chapter watching this? Well, I just want to thank all the girl dads out there for all that you do for our daughters. Like it really matters. Your voice has an incredible impact, but your voice has an incredible impact on your sons too. Like your role as a dad matters and teaching your boys about how to treat their sister, how to treat the women in their life, how to treat their mom, how to view women in a way that honors them and and recognizes them as forces in the world just like they are and that they're equal to the task. I think one of the challenges we have as we see the pendulum swing around women is that men can sometimes, and young men can sometimes feel intimidated about them. And so I think helping young boys and girls and teenagers appreciate each other and grow up in leadership together is the ultimate goal. Love it. I love it. Katie, this has been fantastic today. Can you just Remind us the name of your book, and then how can our listeners, the best way for our listeners to get connected or stay connected to you? Sure. So the book is Developing Female Leaders. You can get it on Amazon or Audible or a few other places. And then you can follow me at my website, Katie Cole, spelled K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E.com. And I've got a newsletter if you're interested in these topics where I try to keep people particularly guys up to date on some of the research coming out about women. And you can download some resources on the theology of this if you're interested in those kind of conversations and follow me on social as well. And thank you, Scott, for having me. This has been a real treat. I'm a fan of dads. So I really appreciate what you're doing. And it's just fun to be with you, my friend. That's awesome. And I'm a fan of yours, not just as my friend and not just as a female leader, but just as a great leader. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Dads, listen, be sure to follow us on social media at The Dads on Tap for more helpful content each day. Also, as always, if there's anything I can do to serve you, if you've heard anything that's brought up some questions or some, you know, struggles, please reach out to me at scott at dadsontap.com. I would love to have the chance to connect with you. Also, if you're interested in launching a Dads on Tap chapter in your community in a local brewery, feel free to email me as well. And most importantly, we can talk a lot. We can get a lot of great content. Katie's given us a lot of great things to think about. But more than that, I want to challenge you as we close to take what you've learned today and go be a better dad. Yeah.